0: Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, which says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. This is a wonderful verse. It has really two parts to it. It talks about giving thanks to God. And of course, we always thank Him for our salvation. We always, always thank Him for the good blessings that He's given to us. The fact that we have a shirt on our back, the fact that we have food, the fact that we have a good lodging here in North America. So many people in the world don't have these things. And also the fact that we ought to just thank him for the way that he watches over us each day and protects us and helps us. There's so many blessings that we are recipients of that we even take for granted. The second part of the verse talks about praying always for you. Paul here is praying for the people at Colossae. And we ought to pray for one another and be encouraging to one another and bless one each other. And it's always a privilege uh, when you run into someone and you say, well, I'm going to pray for you. You ought to pray for them right then. That's what I do because I don't don't like telling lies. Sometimes I tell people I'm going to pray for them and then I don't do that. I believe that's a sin. So I think we ought to pray often and always for one another. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio, Jacob and Sharon Severage, all the way from India. They also have brought their two-year-old daughter, Ella, with them. Sharon, I'd like to start with you first. Your father has been a long-term missionary with Global Outreach Mission in India, and I know that he studied at Prairie Bible Institute. Can you tell us something about your dad?
1: Um, well, his name is Raja Severage. And he's from Satyamangalam, Tamil Nadu. And um, he works uh, mainly with pastors, discipling them and training them.
0: So you grew up with a very rich Christian heritage.
1: Yes, we did. Yes, there's the three of us. So I have two sisters um, who grew up with me. And uh, we all grew up in a very Christian home.
0: Jacob's story was quite different though. Jacob, your parents were not following Jesus Christ, but you told me that God had spoken to you, and you wanted to become a Christian. So tell us what happened when you told your parents you wanted to become a Christian.
1: My parents were not believers, and when I came to know the true living God, Jesus Christ, and when I started going to Sunday school, and there was a time that I wanted to serve the Lord, and I wanted to become a pastor, and when i went and told my dad that i want to go to bible college that i would finish and serve the lord my parents were my dad was against me and he said if you join bible college then if you don't listen to me that you don't that you cannot stay in my house and he said that uh, you have to leave your house and then uh, never come back then because i believed in jesus christ and i know that he would take care of me I took I packed all my things and I I moved to church and I was there at church for a week and the whole church prayed for me and my family and a week later my my parents came and they said okay you do whatever you want but come home and from there I started Bible college I finished Bible college and I and I had a chance to preach in the churches in, in the churches and And slowly, my dad started coming to church. Uh, The reason why he came to church is because he wanted to see me on the stage preaching. And slowly, my parents started coming to church, and they started slowly growing, uh, growing in faith.
0: You mentioned Sunday school. You mentioned to me that there was a neighbor that was having Sunday school in her home, and that is how you heard about Jesus. So tell us about your Sunday school class.
1: There was a, a lady by name Mary who started a Sunday school just next to our house, and then she used to gather all my all the all the kids there, and we myself and my brothers and uh, uh, my friends we used to go there. We used to go to Sunday school not because you know of something to know about Jesus, because we went to Sunday school because they gave a nice, uh, uh, hot hot sweet bun. So we went there just for buns, and and somehow. Uh, uh, we start. We started liking those songs and all the action songs, and then and the stories about Jesus, and then we fell in love. Uh, we fell in love with Jesus.
0: So you fell in love with Jesus because of sticky buns. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, those little cinnamon rolls are
0: very nice. That was a great ministry tool. But your parents didn't want you to going to Bible college, but they let you go to Sunday school.
1: Yeah, they left to the Sunday school because at that t- at point of time, my parents did not know anything about the Sunday school. They thought it's a place where all the kids go and, and play around. And because we were kids and we were like very naughty, so my parents thought uh, like the hour that we went to Sunday school, they had a peaceful time.
0: Well, wow, that's a great encouragement for our listeners today to know that you opened up your home and you can share the gospel with, with little children. And who knows what the Lord can do with them. Someday they might grow up to be a pastor or a missionary. We want to thank you so much for sharing with us today. And we're so thankful that uh, you have such a wonderful ministry in India. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We're so thankful for those who pray for our ministry and also those who support our ministry because you know this is a listener supported program and we cannot continue to be on the air without the support of our listeners. Many have put us in their will and have helped us that way and then others send in their donations. This, This month we're offering a wonderful booklet on spiritual gifts, what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. One way the Holy Spirit empowers believers in the church is by creating ministries, opportunities to serve. Each believer contributes to the growth, both in numbers and in maturity, of the church. If the Holy Spirit is the fire that gives the body warmth and life, believers are the members of the body that keep it moving. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to be part of these ministries. The spiritual gifts then are tools that we use to carry on those ministries the function of spiritual gifts is service paul's main interest in his letters to the early churches is to teach guide and help them to grow as a body of christ you want to make sure that you get a copy of this booklet because it not only talks about the ministry of the holy spirit but how it relates to believers as they try to serve the lord and then also how they are used in the church to grow the Body of Christ. And so you can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catherine's, Ontario, L2R7Alpha7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Please write and get this booklet. I'm sure it will enhance your spiritual life.
2: Why don't you swing Swing down, cherry, stop, and let me ride Swing down, chariot stop, and let me ride Rock me, Lord, rock me, Lord, calm and easy I got a home on the other side Swing down, cherry, stop, and let me ride Swing down, cherry, stop, and let me ride Rock me, Lord, Rock me, Lord, calm and easy I got home on the other side Well, 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 Ezekiel went out in the middle of the field He saw an angel working on the chariot wheel He wasn't so particular about the chariot wheel He just wanted to see Feels. Why don't you swing, swing down, it, sweet chariot? Stop and let me ride. Swing down, chariot, stop and let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock me, Lord, calm and easy. I got home on the other side. Ezekiel went out and do got on Felt that chariot bumping down the road. He wasn't so good about the bumping of the road. He just wanted to lay down his heavy load. Why don't you swing, swing down. down sweet cherry something? Let me ride. Swing down cherry something. Let me ride. Rock me lord, rock me lord. Calm and easy. I got a home on the other side. Swing low. swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home, carry me home, cause I'm getting ready to leave this world, I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl, gates of pearl, swing down chariot, stop and let me ride, swing down chariot, stop and let me ride.
0: Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning, and it's entitled Things Which Must Surely Come to Pass. Printed copies are available upon request. We
3: continue now our series of talks entitled Things Which Must Shortly Come to Pass. Your letters indicate a widespread interest in what the future holds in store. I hope these talks will be helpful as you try to anticipate the ultimate results of the trends and conditions developing in society today don't forget the wise observation of the Apostle Peter recorded in the first chapter of his second epistle we have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place never forget the foreknowledge of God gives the most accurate insight into the future available to mankind. I'd like now to examine with you another biblical prophecy, this one recorded in Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. It reads, When he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. For those of you who missed our last two talks, in our analysis of those things which the scriptures say must shortly come to pass, We're presently examining the prophetic vision Christ gave the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, which John then recorded in the book of the Revelation under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're dealing specifically with the first eight verses of Revelation 6, which portrays what are commonly called the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. These four horsemen portray symbolically four future events which will profoundly affect all inhabitants of the earth. Thus far we've dealt with two of these. The first, the rider on the white horse, described in verses 1 and 2, which portrays symbolically the future Antichrist, who will deceive humanity into believing that He is the super leader the world is seeking to resolve its problems. He will usurp the role God intended should be Christ's as the savior of mankind. He will emerge on the world scene shortly after Christ removes his church and the Holy Spirit from this earth. He will be the ultimate product of the secular humanism that is permeating every facet of society today. Then we looked at verses 3 and 4, which describe a second rider, this time one mounted on a red horse with a great sword in his hand. His mission, verse 4 says, will be to take peace from the earth. People and governments and nations who have rejected the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who maketh wars to cease, will discover too late the futility of human efforts alone to resolve the age-old problem of wars and conflicts between individuals and nations. They will have been deluded into believing that the super-leadership of the Antichrist and the world government he will have persuaded them to support will bring an end to wars and the threat of nuclear annihilation. Too late they will discover that his real intention was to use the unprecedented power vested in him to force his tyrannical will on all peoples and nations. And war and violence and turmoil will again shatter the peace as the rider on the red horse with the great sword in his hand enforces the Antichrist's orders and people and nations resist. Now let's turn our attention to the third horseman, whom John describes in Revelation 6, 5 and 6, in these words. I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The symbolic language here used indicates that the rider on the black horse portrays a situation having to do with trade and commerce. He holds in his hand a pair of balances, an instrument used to weigh commodities sold in the marketplace. Several are specifically mentioned. Wheat, barley, oil, and wine. The description indicates these commodities are being meted out by weight and by measure. A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and be careful how you dispense the oil and the wine. The language is that used when consumer goods are in short supply and rationing has been imposed. The idea of scarcity is further emphasized by two things. First, the price. A measure of wheat for a penny. In Bible times a penny was a day's pay for a working man. You remember Christ's parable of the husbandman who went out to hire laborers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a penny a day. In the labor market today a tradesman normally earns eight to twelve dollars an hour or an average of say around sixty to eighty dollars a day. For a day's pay, say $75, the rider on the black horse would ration out to him a measure of wheat or three measures of barley. The common measure in biblical times was a chunix, which was equal to about a quart. A day's wages for a quart of wheat. If you think prices are atrocious today, How would you like to pay a whole day's wages for a quart of wheat or three quarts of barley? The second indication that this passage is speaking of extreme scarcity and prohibitive prices in the marketplace is the color of the horse on which the rider is mounted. It is black, the symbol of mourning. It speaks of death. In this case, death attributable to extreme scarcity of basic commodities due to rigid market controls and prices so high it will be impossible for people to buy enough to sustain life. Now remember this will happen under the Antichrist world government when people will be required to give their allegiance to him and receive an identification mark before they will be permitted to buy or sell revelation thirteen sixteen to 17 says he caused of all both small and great rich and poor free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast that is the antichrist or the number of his name in that day the words christ taught people to pray Give us this day our daily bread will take on a new meaning. Both the prophetic scriptures and the trends developing today indicate the major causes of the future economic conditions symbolized by the rider on the black horse with a pair of balances in his hand. In the first place, there's the pyramiding growth of the world's population. By the end of this century, this Earth will have to sustain over six billion people, with millions more being added each month. Even now, nearly half of the world's population goes to bed hungry every night. Secondly, the world's natural resources, many of them irreplaceable, are being steadily diminished. This is not due only to growing consumer demand, but man's neglect and abuse of the earth's physical resources, which is impairing and in some cases destroying nature's capacity to reproduce. Water pollution is turning hundreds of rivers and lakes into lifeless bodies of polluted water, many of them already beyond recovery. Air and soil pollution is decreasing the productive capacity of forests and fields. Soil mismanagement is turning millions of acres into unproductive wasteland, no longer capable of producing crops or sustaining wild or domestic animal life. This is one of the factors contributing to the drought and famine claiming thousands of lives in Ethiopia and other regions of Africa where overgrazed lands and denuded forests has turned vast areas into desert wastes. Man has proven a poor custodian of this earth's natural resources, and future generations will pay an even higher price than we already are paying today. Three, the prophetic scriptures indicate that in the days when the Antichrist dominates this earth, Its productive capacity will be affected by strange, unprecedented phenomena in nature. You remember Christ in his great prophetic sermon recorded in Matthew 24, said of that future time, The sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And again in Luke 21, verse 11, he said, Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Revelation 6 and 12 speaks of the sun becoming black as sackcloth of hair. And Revelation 8 and 12 says that the third part of the sun was smitten, and the day shone not for a third part of it. You can imagine the impact of such phenomena on the Earth's temperature, an overall climate, and on its vegetation. In recent years, we've witnessed some strange and abnormal weather patterns and climatic abnormalities. Could these be the first foreshadows of far more drastic phenomena in the days ahead? Finally, the Antichrist's successful drive to establish a totalitarian world government with rigid controls over all facets of the economy will mean an end to the competitive free enterprise system, which has proven by far the most effective mechanism to maximize production. Once the Antichrist imposes rigid state control over the world economy, production will decline, and the famine and food rationing symbolized by the rider on the black horse will shortly come to pass. But let me close this talk with some good news. I'm grateful to God that you can avoid these predicted future world problems and calamities. They're conditions that will not come to a head until after Christ appears and takes his church out of this world, before the Antichrist comes on the scene. If you will, you can be among the millions who will be taken out of this world at Christ's appearing for his church. My friend, God loves you. He knows all about the problems in your life. Whether you realize it or not, your greatest problem is not your social or economic or financial difficulties, but the problem of sin. Sin is what has alienated you and everyone else from God. And that alienation is the root cause of all the problems you face and the world faces today. It was to solve that problem that Christ came into this world and died as a substitute sin bearer in your place. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon Him. When He died in your place on the cross, He died for you and for your sins. Do you believe that? Do you believe what Christ says to you in the Scriptures? He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Won't you take him at his word and believe him when he says he loves you and he died for you? And if you will receive him as your personal Savior, he will forgive your sins and give you the gift of eternal life, and you shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck you out of his hand. Open your life to him. And he will keep you safe until the hour of his appearing, when he will take you home to be with him in glory before the predicted future troubles come on this weary old world. My friend, give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today. Bow your head now as our invitation hymn him is sung, and ask him to be your Savior from this hour on. May God help you. I trust the message you just heard will be a real
0: blessing to your spiritual life and will help you grow in a closer relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned about those who may be listening to our broadcast who don't know Jesus Christ personally and have a personal relationship with Him each day. The Bible is very clear. It points out, it's out over and over that we are all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All of us have sinned and done things that we're ashamed of, things that we know that we shouldn't have done, and yet we did them anyway. And of course, we have a holy God who's pure, who's perfect, is righteous, and is totally holy. And because of that, those facts, he can't be in the presence of sinners, any sin. And so he has to judge sin. But he made a way because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the simple act of faith, if you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is God who became man, who went to the cross and bore your sins in his own body, he took your place, he took the anger that God has towards your sins and put it on Jesus, he died and he rose on the third day. If you believe those things and are sincere in your beliefs, you can bow your head and you're going to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life because John 1 12 says, but as many as receive him, receive Jesus, unto them gave he the right to become the son of God. If you want to be a child of God, receive Christ as your personal savior. Don't forget to write in to get your copy of the booklet, Spiritual Gifts. I know that this will help your spiritual life. And I know that it will be a real blessing to you and to those that you share it with. You can write Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also listen to past messages on Canada's National Bible Hour by visiting our website at www.missiongo. M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot org, O-R-G. And please remember us in your prayers. We trust the Lord will be with you throughout this next week.